You are listening to the BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. We discuss social justice, childhood trauma, current events, hip-hop, and so much more. Now, here's your host, Michael Arrington. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's your boy, Mike Arrington, the BU Podcast. Me, we're back. Um, wanted to um, let you know about my guest coming on today. Her name is Vanya. She's from uh, Germany. She's a hip-hop curator, promoter, DJ, uh, a plethora of things, man. But um, her and I always have some real rich conversations on um, social media. And I uh, wanted to kind of take that conversation you know kind of um to my podcast but like kind of really sit down and formally have a discussion with her most of our conversations is really organic um me responding to a post of hers or her responding to a post of mine but she's been very integral in um different parts of my career with um promoting some of my content via uh, social media to Europe, she's kind of like my go-to when it when it comes to putting out a record and kind of getting the word out to my my fan base that is in Europe. Um, she's really really dope. She's got a really big following, man. I wish you guys would follow her on um, on social media, man, and because she, she's really really dope and has like really really good valuable uh, perspective, um, not just from a European perspective, but from a woman in hip hop. And um, a voice in hip hop that I think is vital and important. Um, so I think that's always dope to get that perspective just because, you know, different perspectives are always vital in this game. But so I wanted to bring her on a podcast and kind of, you know, have a formal conversation with her regarding hip hop and mental health and, and things of that nature. So we'll get into that in a minute. But I wanted to share a story from one of my students that I had uh, this past uh, school year. She left me a really dope note. And I just kind of wanted to share some of the things that I do and some of the, you know, and, and some of the work that I, I've, I've done with students. Like one of my students came to me and she broke down. I mean, ugly cry, yo. Like it was, you know, it was mascara running snot the whole the whole hookup but she said mr arrington i wanted to thank you for annoying me every day thank you for not giving up on me when i met you well when i had to meet you i was done i wanted to give up every day you bring all this positivity and shit and i just wanted to say thank you um i keep what you tell me in my head especially when i'm feeling down even when i made mistakes you were still there I never had a father. I never knew what having one felt like. But you're that for me now. I had to burden you with that responsibility. But I look up to you. You're one of the coolest pers- people I ever met. And you care so much about us. I-, I made the honor roll because of you. When I told you, you were so happy. And I knew I made you proud. I'm going to continue that. Thank you for everything. Um, have a wonderful break. And be ready to rock with us next year. To hear that, man, was humbling for me. You never kind of know. You never really know the impact you make on people. I try to live every day to the fullest, man. I try to pour as much hope into people that I'm around. 
whenever I can. And these kids, this kid in particular, she's got a really, really, really bad situation at home. She comes from a very, very, like, negative environment. A lot of childhood trauma, a lot of childhood abuse. And for this kid to show this level of, of vulnerability, one, is a lot. But it means a lot to me because I know what that means. I mean, she feels safe with me to be able to express these types of vulnerabilities, man. And I think that's very, very important. But I don't take what I do for granted. And to hear this kind of feedback is humbling for me, man. Um, but I thought I'd share with you guys to kind of give you a perspective of kind of what I do. It's a piece of what I do um, every day in dealing with young minds and young people. I do not take that for granted. I do take on this responsibility. I wear it respectfully. I wear it um, humbly, but I also I take it very, very serious, man. And just, you know, try to be nice to people, man, and, and, and kind and, and and try to help where I can help and, and give a voice to the voiceless. And I just try to do these things, you know, in honor of who, how I want people to treat others. You know, it's how I want people to treat my sons when they get to school, you know, when they get to high school, you know, how, how I, I, I try to lead by example. And so this is kind of a, a, a way to just for me to share what I do. I hope you guys really appreciate these stories, man, because they're really, really, um, it's really not it's not a humble brag at all. It's really just trying to give you perspective of what I'm trying to do as a person and in a platform that I have to use to kind of spread this love that I'm trying to, you know, give out and, you know, and, and, and give out to the, to the world, man. Um, I've been in a very, very fortunate position. If I look at who I was some five, six, ten years ago, man, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm happy that I got here. I knew I could get here. It took a lot of people in my life to kind of, you know, keep pushing me forward, my wife included. But I'm so appreciative of the spot that I'm in and, and, and the place that I have and the things that I'm able to do for people. So I don't take that lightly. So um, with that said, man, we're going to get into this show. I got my guest, uh, Vanya. Um, I still love her. Uh, dot e, uh, dot de um, is her her website. Check her out on on Instagram, Twitter, or whatnot. We won't get into this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, you know, buckle up. It's gonna be a dope little hip hop ride. But we doing what we do. Um, Bu podcast. Mike Arrington. In a minute, you are listening to the Bu podcast with Michael Arrington. Hi, what's good, y'all? BU Podcast, Mike Arrington, we're back. I got my girl, the legend, uh, Vanya, in the building. Let the people know who you are, what you do. What's up? I'm very honored to be here today. Um, I'm Vanya of istolover.de. Um, I'm a curator. I am a DJ. I've been in hip-hop for a long time. I don't know. I struggle with giving myself titles. I get it. I mean, we've been affiliated. Man, it's been a while. Like, I want to say at least a decade, probably. Right. I was thinking about it earlier and I was wondering 
if we've known if we've known each other since MySpace, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was MySpace. So yeah. it's it's well over a decade then for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think, that's, I think that's first when we first got connected. Um, I got connected with you via promotion. Um and just um when the internet became a thing, <laughs> uh, you know, um, and then uh MySpace was a real big thing, especially for me, um, in that era um it, it really kind of helped me branch out to um my european audience who i didn't really have contact with up until around my space so um so that's dope so it's good to finally you know get you in the building and chat um i know we often speak online about different topics and different things so um it's good to kind of get you in a formal setting to really kind of sit down and kind of pick your brain and um have a really like rich conversation you know what i mean yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, let me ask you this. So so when did you fall in love with hip hop? Um, I would say I first fell in love with just the music when I was around five years old. Um, like that's when I remember the first song that I fell in love with. Um, it could I could have been six. I don't know. um i heard this song on the radio it was us three cantaloupe it's a song from the uk yeah and i recorded that onto a tape on my parents stereo and i just know that i listened to that song all the time and it just did something to me but i i would say i had my real falling in love with hip hop happened when I was around 15, when I really discovered the culture and like the different elements and really un- starting to understand what it is and that it's not just the music. Okay, cool. So, uh, so during that time, so what was like your favorite era of hip hop? That's difficult. Like, honestly, I don't, I don't really like to to pinpoint one era. I mean, I obviously love the 90s. I also have so much appreciation for the 80s because like when I really got into hip hop culture, like I dove into what was going on in the 80s. Like I watched um I asked my parents to get me Wild Style on VHS. And I watched that religiously, and that really gave me such a dope insight on, on, on how everything started. So I have a deep appreciation for that era. And then 90s hip-hop, you know, is, is just amazing. But right. for me also, when I was like 18, 19, I feel like that's a, an age where you really connect with music, right? Right. And that was the early 2000s. So that early 2000s also means a lot to me. And actually when I DJ, if I'm DJing a party, I my favorite thing to play is early 2000s hip hop. Because right. to me, that's like the, the best shit for a party. Right. Like what will make you dance more than early 2000s? Right. And that's yeah. my era. So um, big ups to that. But um, for me, it was like, I'm a little older, so... I think I fell in love with hip hop probably around the time I heard Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five and and the message, you know, not that 
anything before it wasn't good but i think that was the the song that really really resonated with me and then you know of course the run dmc and and, and all that type of stuff man in that era was kind of the era where like i fell in love with hip-hop and um you're on tv raps and all that type of stuff which was like yeah. mid-80s you know up until the pre- the present era um so to kind of give people some background on like what you do and how to kind of how we communicate is you know you have these these very very rich and important posts on on instagram and social media and so in that sometimes man social media can be very very uh it can be very ugly and i'm sure you had to deal with some of that stuff so let's talk about um the misogyny in hip-hop and how could Mm -hmm. we do better to educate artists and fans and people who just love what we love You know, I think the problem isn't really hip hop, right? Like the problem is society as a whole. Like if, I mean, hip hop is just a reflection of of society. So if society wasn't misogynistic, then hip hop wouldn't be either. Um, So it's a way bigger problem. And especially like speaking today when uh, Roe versus Wade was just overturned. Right. It's it's just, it, it baffles me how misogyny is still so alive and well that the U.S. government is taking reproductive rights away from women. It's insane. Um, but back to hip-hop, I mean, huh, I understand where it comes from, you know? So I really, like, I hate it. I hate that it's there, and I really... It doesn't feel good as a woman to read misogynistic comments. And a lot of times the people that are commenting don't even to them, that's normal. Like to them, that's normal thinking to them. That's a normal way of expressing themselves. And they don't even realize that they're being misogynistic, which is not an excuse. Right. Um, So Sadly, I have gotten used to it. I mean, I still see shit and and I delete comments a lot. I also block people. Like yesterday, I shared um I shared a tweet from Sean King about the um the overturning. Right. Um, and someone responded, great news. Right. Now blocked immediately because i also feel like honestly i don't want misogynists following me because if you're a misogynist you don't deserve my work right like you don't deserve to to if you don't want women to have these rights you don't deserve this work coming from a woman um it's very frustrating honestly it's also it, it feels like such a slow progress right um i do see progress with the younger generations which is really nice to see that they aren't repeating the the same shit right that the generations before them did but it's still it's such a soul progress and hip-hop is um you know in the hip-hop community Unfortunately, it's still such a thing because it's so male dominated, you know, right. so a lot of women uh, kind of refrain from speaking out about these things because you have so many men 
gatekeeping. Right. Yeah, it's and, a it's a it's a male dominated business. Um, yeah. the music business. Period. Hip hop is no different. And um, yeah. I think for me, just you know, I always try to maintain a certain level of respect and a certain level of decorum for women in the work that you all do uh from from every standpoint from from dancers to singers to producers to writers to you know people who do promotions um pr the whole thing so it's always a level of uh, of respect that comes with it you know we really do appreciate everything that women have done for hip hop you know what i mean they may not be you know in the forefront all the time but i think um the contributions women like yourself make to uh, how hip hop is told, how hip hop is represented, I think goes unnoticed. And um, I want to be one of those people who, you know, kind of give you guys a platform to kind of really shine and get the, you know, proper respect and credit that you deserve. Yeah. So with that said, um, it's so everybody kind of gets some context, you know, you are not from the U S you know, where are you from exactly? And then kind of where you live and where have you resided? Uh, so originally I'm from Heidelberg, Germany, mm-hmm. um, which some people would say, myself included, <laughs> that it's the birthplace of German rap. Um, but some other people would contest that, but it's fine. Um <laughs> And I've now been living in Berlin for the past, I think, like eight years. Okay. So let's talk about European hip hop versus uh, U.S. hip hop. And not on a competitive sense, but like um, perspectives are always different, right? Like you mentioned how the U.S. government, you know, it's always baffling to me kind of how rich European hip hop has always been for artists like myself, especially, you know, people who came out during the late 90s, early 2000s, like myself, Dilated Peoples and Jurassic Fives and all those groups. Um, It's so different for us when we go there. The level of respect and love that you guys and admiration you guys have for us has always been amazing. Why do you think that is? Why, Why do you think a U.S. artist seem to thrive better in Europe than they do in the U.S.? Um, I think I'm sure there's 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 a variety of reasons, but I think one is maybe that um, you're always appreciated more somewhere else, right, True. than where you're from. I think that always happens, even with cities, right? Like, right. Because I think people get spoiled. Like, if an artist is from your city, you're kind of spoiled. You feel like they will always be around. You can always go catch a show some at some point. But if someone is coming from overseas, I mean, in Berlin, we're also spoiled because every tour basically has a stop here. Right. But still, the chances of seeing an American artist here are lower than seeing them in the in the U.S. Right. So I think people are probably are just more appreciative in that sense because they feel like, Oh, I might not be able to see this person again. So let me go to the show. Um, but also I'm sure there is something psychologically where knowing that this is not your culture, you know, right. 
Like, because like as Europeans, we 100% always come from an outsider's um, perspective, right? right? So even if you're not consciously thinking about that, I think subconsciously, like, you know that. Right. And then I feel like you're, you're working a bit harder to, to be a part of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get, I get you. I get you. Mean. You know? And then you might be showing more love. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I felt like uh, I think Buckshot told me years ago, man, he said, you know, when you're from where you're from, you don't get really like the respect until you leave from where you're from. Like the yeah. people where you're from kind of always notice who you yeah. are because that's, you know, that's where you're from. But like when you step out of that, you know, mm. it, it always it's more enticing. Right. So I'm from I'm from Southern California. So um, and I came up in that the second wave of what I call the second wave of the golden era. So like the late 90s, yeah. you know, early 2000s. And so it was so many avenues for artists like myself to really kind of thrive. Like so you had like the wake up show and then you had like Fantastic Four and Friday Night Flavors. And, you know, you had to join you had all these different avenues where artists met. So it was a very, very small community right it's a very very small fraternity of 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 artists who were able to kind of do their thing and so with that said when you step away from that you know and you go to say new york you know, it's a certain different level of respect i always got from new york even being from the west coast and la and, and that whole east coast west coast thing was still a thing when i started rapping so um but everybody always thought i was from new york <laughs> you know um Cause I got a, I got, a, I guess I got a slight accent, but it's really just based off of how I listen to the music and what my influences yeah. were. And so, but the first time I went to Europe was I think 2004 and I couldn't even believe the level of respect and love that I got. I, I didn't even know it existed. You know what I mean? And I remember signing those foreign licensing deals and thinking like, Oh, I'm just doing it for the, the, the advance. Like nobody's listening yeah. to my music outside of where I'm from. Right. And so Little did I know when MySpace came around and I had a big, big following in Europe. So um, I know artists like myself has always appreciated it. And I toured there for years. And it's been it's been I think last time I was there was 2017, I think. And um, I had planned to do a 20 year reunion for my first album in 2020. But then, oh, yeah, we had that pandemic thing. So. (laughs) um, So, yeah, no, I always just found it fascinating to love and respect that Europe has always had, not even just for hip hop, but just even. For a lot of American artists back even in the 60s, you had the jazz era. You know, I know Quincy Jones speaks about how vibrant it was for, for artists back then to really to get this, this the personal respect that they deserve. Um, and it's always been authentic crowds when I've performed out there. So I've always respected that. You know what? I think it's also it's just a level of admiration, because when you look at you know, you, when you're from afar looking at someone doing something that can't be fully recreated here, you know what I mean? Right. Like, sure, like we have our own hip hop scene and we have our own hip hop artists and also they have developed their own style of, of rap music. But still, we're looking at American artists as the originators. Right. And so. Right. I think there's a level of admiration where in the States it's just normal kind of, you know, right, right, like, right. yeah, this is what we do. Like, you know? right. Yeah. And I think that's probably, 
you know, also genre crossing when, when, when a genre has been originated somewhere else. Uh, but what you were saying with being appreciated somewhere else, I also, I experienced that. Like, uh, I've been um, spending a lot of time in South Africa in these past few years. And as a DJ, I'm way more appreciated there than I am here, which right. is kind of frustrating at times because it's like, what the fuck? Right, right. No, I, I definitely understand. Like, I, I could walk the streets of L.A. and nobody gives a damn. But I, yeah. let me go to France and everybody knows who I am. So that I, I, I get it. Um, so, yeah, let's get into um, mental health and hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know we briefly had a conversation around the time I want to say, I think it was Kanye's documentary came out and mm-hmm. um, Kanye's always a big to- topic in hip hop when it comes to mental health. I feel like as somebody who is a, you know, a trained, a therapist, I feel like a lot of times some of the issues that artists have, you know, stem from childhood trauma or things of that nature. But I think the industry the music industry is as a whole hip hop in particular has a difficult time in allowing men in particular to be vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I think that leads to a lot of issues and beefs and and things that happen. Um, So let me get your thoughts on, on mental health and hip hop and things of that nature. I mean, I think it's, it's sad that it's not a bigger topic. I do see that, I also see progress there. I do see younger artists um, and also artists that I didn't expect uh, to talk about these things. Um, I see them talk about it. I see them talk about therapy. I see them talking about meditation and, and mental health. And it's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think once again, that's, you know, such a generational thing because if I look at my parents, right, like the generation my parents are from is a generation that was not, no one talked about mental health, right? right? And so I think, um, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing we're not too far in age. Yeah, I'm almost the same age as hip hop. I think hip hop is two years older than me. Okay. <laughs> I just turned 38. So yeah, I got 10 years on you. I'll be 48 in October. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like your generation um, still has a harder time with that. Right. Sure. But then, we, but then of course, we're also talking about, um, you know, with hip hop, we're also talking about the black community. Right. right? And then in the U S we're also talking about the lack of, of health insurance, you know, right. So mental health is not always, it's just not um, accessible for everyone. And that's a big factor that needs to be considered. You can't just tell everyone, oh, you should go to therapy. Someone doesn't have access and can't afford therapy. What are they, you know, what are they right. supposed to do? Um, like in Germany, like I'm in therapy and it's covered by my health insurance, you know, right. and that's how it should be. Like if you get a diagnosis, it should be covered. You shouldn't have to spend thousands of dollars right. just to get better. So, you know, there's there's a lot of factors, but I do think it's very helpful that you have more um, more artists publicly speaking about it because it just makes people feel um, 
safer in also speaking about what they are experiencing um, as mental health issues. And yeah, I think you. I think you hit a, a very, very important point when you talk about access to yeah those types of resources. And and yeah, the U.S. for some strange reason we don't have universal health care, so it's not a it's not readily accessible to everybody like it should be. And then yeah. what I always found fascinating is that a lot of artists, especially artists that are signed to record labels, they don't have health insurance. Yeah, right. I remember having a conversation yeah. with Exhibit. Uh, one time and um, we have children around the same age and um, I was working a full-time job while I was still an artist and so um, he was talking about how he had to pay out of pocket for his son to be born and, and how I had insurance and and what the difference was right I had to pay a $50 copay and I think he had to pay some $200,000 or whatever it was and yeah. um, and you kind of look at the juxtaposition of like wow you know, you would think somebody who is as successful as him, you know, and 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 have the, the opportunities that he's had that would have like health insurance, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. um which is insane, right? But like even some labels, I remember when I was signed to a label, that was uh, that was one of the fights that I had, like, oh, you gotta pay for health care for this or health care for that, or you pay something. You know what I mean? Like, um, you just can't just give me an advance, send me out on a road, send me out on planes and send me out in different forms. Right, you might get injured. <laughs> right, I might get hurt, I might get sick. You know what I'm saying? And like, nobody can cover that. Like, you know, <laughs> so I always found that like fascinating to to yeah. just, to really understand that. So when you add, add on issues of, you know, you have people, like being on tour, being an artist is not as easy as everybody thinks. Like, it sounds yeah. great, right? But- Try to do thirty shows in thirty two days in in thirty two different countries. It's a lot of work, you know what I mean. And yeah. so, um, and with the rigor of what that comes with, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mentally draining. You gotta, you yeah. know, shake hands and take pictures and and you know and do interviews and and it's a lot of work. Um, and that takes some level of, you know, mental stability to be able to handle that. Hundred percent. So. I think it's something that we, we, I hope in the future, you, like you said, younger artists are getting more, they're more in tune to it. Yeah. I think it is generational too. People from my yeah. generation and older, they don't want to, because it's a level of vulnerability that they don't want to, they think mm-hmm. that they don't have, but like they don't understand that vulnerability is really a superpower. But I think it's also important to note how, um, how misogyny really plays a big part in that, right? Like how, the patriarchy uh, patriarchy plays a big part in that because the that's really why there's this idea that men have to be strong men right. shouldn't show their emotions and men can't be sad or or hurt or scared and men have to keep up this facade right and 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 as long as that's being um fostered in the way that it has been then men, because men are humans, right? Like, right. why wouldn't you have the same issues as as women? Like, right. why wouldn't you? You also have trauma. Like, you deal you deal with the exact same things, but then you're you're constantly being told that you have to suppress everything. Right. You have to suppress all the, those emotions, and you have to be strong, and you have to function, and. Of course, you're not going to admit that you might need therapy. 
if right. if that's you know if you're stuck in that mindset that you have to be the strong man right and and that's why i also i think it gets so lost that that um that fighting the patriarchy is not just for the benefit of women like it's also for the benefit of men so men don't have Always. to have to keep trying to live up to these insane standards that are not, right. it's impossible to live up to these standards and be okay right yeah no, it's like you, you um there's a sign of weakness if you you go to therapy right and yeah. so even when i do couples therapy and there's always a a, a level of you know i don't want to be here from the man right it's like i don't be is therapy stupid you know what i'm saying like we should be able to work it out right but what people don't understand is that like sometimes hearing yourself out loud or hearing yourself through the lens of a third party is so helpful right even if it's just like a friend or you know you know whatever the case may be and so um i think that showing vulnerability has always been taboo um especially with men, you know what I'm saying? In, in, in American culture. So um, eventually, hopefully we get to a point or place of maturity where we understand that, you know, even Superman needed help, you know what I'm saying? Even Iron Man needed the rest of the Avengers. Right. So um, every superhero has a weakness. So yeah. why, why are men any different? Right. And so I think it's important that we continue the legacy of letting people giving people permission to feel and being vulnerable. So I think that's helpful. Um, mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. So other genres like rock and heavy metal and jazz, for example, kind of covet their pioneers. Hip hop kind of not, right? Or at least in the US. So why do you think that is? Why do you think like groups like U2 are still selling out stadiums where, you know, groups like Run DMC hardly ever perform anymore? Well, I... I mean, hip hop is still so young, right? That we don't we're we're only now getting to the point where our heroes are getting up in that age. Right. right? So it's like an unprecedented thing. Like it's not something we've been practicing or like know what to do with. Right. Um for such a long time, hip hop was viewed as like a young, like a young people's thing right because it also was because the culture was so young right um and then it was always like oh the older people you know they don't know what's hot you know and then right. you have the generational divide um i think like now is the time where we have heroes that are aging um I think now is the time to 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 make an example out of that and take care of them. You know, like right. I've seen a few like Drink Champs episodes where they were talking about um, a union. You know how hip hop needs a union right. to to take care of um, hip hop artists that can't work anymore. You know, right? Because that's really hip hop culture really lacks that because what the fuck like these people built this culture for us and right. now they don't Again. have money to live that's right crazy. yeah it's one of my my passion projects like i'm working on like workshops to kind of to get mm-hmm. um 
some of the pioneers of hip hop like work, right? Like I know I talk to Chuck D a lot and he sends me a lot of different, you know, what we call old school or pioneers of hip hop and just kind of getting them a platform. Like a lot of them don't even really know how to get their music online or a lot of them don't even have access to their masters to be able to sell. Right. And some of them are still contractually obligated you know what I mean? For record deals they had in the 80s where they can't even perform certain songs. Right. So there's there's a lot of um, miseducation that goes into what goes on in the music business, too. And um, I think I think somebody does need to, you know, give them an opportunity to, to make different different money, kind of like how they do athletes, like old school athletes. They always have a, you know, convention to go to, to speak at, to speak to younger athletes, right? right? You know, and they make money off of signing autographs and so on and so forth. So I think that's important um, as well. Um, But you know, go ahead. No, I think what also plays a, a part is that we also have kind of drop the ball a bit in with the each one teach one thing, right? Like the generational divide doesn't just come from the young generation. It also comes from the old generation, right? you know, like, because if an older person constantly tells you like, "Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. This is not hip hop. This is not the real deal. Like we did it way better than you. Like, yeah, they're not going to give a fuck about us. Exactly. They're going to be like, shut your old ass up. Right, right. (laughs) Old and bitter. (laughs) So I think that's definitely a thing where we just need more, you know, outreach between the generations and just show each other more love and appreciation and understand like, yeah, they doing it differently and that's okay. Right. It's okay. Like, Like, you know, Like I had a chance to, to to meet DMC from Run DMC, man, and and the level of respect he had for what I've been able to do, you know, I had to pay it back. I was like, bro, I, it's because of you that I I do this. Like, if it wasn't for I'm the king of rock, there is none higher. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Just so you know, I always have to you know give respect back. So, um, last question. Um, so if you had a chance to to, to either work on or hear a dream project with some artists dead or alive, who would that, who would that, or who would they be? Oh man, Jay-Z, hundred percent. Like Jay-Z is my goal. Right. So, okay. Jay-Z and Biggie, cause you know, they wanted to do something to, right. like they wanted to do um, a project. That, yeah, that would have been dope. I would have loved to hear the commission. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I know for me, I would have loved to hear like like Black Thought, mm. Pharaoh March, and Royster Five Nine over Dilla Production. I mean any Dilla production, like <laughs> Dilla back for this, like a hundred percent. Right. I would have Hove, Biggie, and Dilla in the studio. That would be and insane. Then I can die happily. <laughs> insane. Insane. I will um I, I'll give you one last uh curveball question. So if you can have dinner with five people, dead or alive, who would they be? 
five. That's a lot. I'm an introvert. I like one on one. I'd be overwhelmed if I'm. Or you get five separate dinners with. Okay, that's much better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jay Z definitely. Okay. Um, Micah Jackson. Okay. Dilla for sure. Um. Who else? There's so many people, man. I mean, I kind of would love to talk to to Herc. Just to like hear the stories. Hear the stories, right? Yeah. I mean, he got I'm no. sure he's got amazing stories. Yeah. What what is that? Is that four? That's four. That's four. Okay. Mmm. <sighs> I like Busta because Busta always has great stories. Great. His drink chance was, it was hilariously funny to me. It was. It was. Yeah. It was dope. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, you know, let me give you your flowers now. I appreciate all the stuff that you do for hip hop, all the stuff you do online, man, all the stuff you do for artists. Keep doing what you do, man. Keep letting it shine. Keep being you. Um, you you have amazing content and, and stories you bring to the game. So we appreciate everything you do. I appreciate you coming through. And um, let's talk again soon. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, everyone, make sure, uh, if you don't follow me at isolover.de on Instagram, that's the most important one. And reproductive rights for everyone. Indeed, indeed. So I appreciate you, um, and we'll talk soon. Yes. <laughs> Peace. You are listening to The BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. That's right. We're back. The BU Podcast. Uh, Mike Arrington, man. That was my guest, uh, Vanya from um, I Still Love Her.de. Um, please check her out on Instagram. <clears throat> her posts are really, really rich and really, really vital. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I really feel like, you know, having a woman's perspective when it comes to hip hop is vital. Um, the work that women do in hip hop at every level is is important, but I don't think they get enough flowers for for the, the their contribution to what we do in this thing called hip hop is a very very male dominated you know male chauvinist environment man and they have to endure so much but um they they also you know contribute so much you know people like her and you know um the other you know writers and, and curators and and um aficionados and radio personalities and DJs and MCs and and producers and DJs and whatnot, man, I think is that, you know, their contribution is vital and I don't think they get enough shine. Um, so I'm going to use my platform to give them that shine. Um, so I appreciate her coming through, man, having a conversation with me, even with the nine hour time difference, we made it work, but hope you enjoyed that, man. Trying to do some, some different things, winding down this very, very first season, the inaugural season of the BU podcast. I think I'm getting better each, each time. But let me know how you feel. Let me know how I can make it better. Let me know what you want to hear or who you want to hear or the topics you want to hear. Uh, most of the feedback I've been getting is, is people have been telling me they want me to do more content about me or more stories about me. And I'm down to do that. Um, I'm really not good at 
self-promotion. So, but I'll do the best I can, man, to, to try to bring on different content and different and have different conversations, important conversations that are helpful. You know, you know, I want to do more stuff about sextortion and, and, you know, social media and how young men can carry themselves better when, you know, around women and, and, you know, give parents advice about their children and, and how to raise teenagers and, and things of that nature. So I want to be able to, to, to be a vehicle for people to, to come to or go to for advice or, or for information. So I want to be a resource, however I can be. You know, but I appreciate everybody tuning in, man. This is, uh, you know, coming down a home stretch of this first season, man. I'm really, really proud of the content I've been able to do. But, you know, I want to do more. I want to be I want to be better. I want to continue to get better. I want to continue to to grow this. So I appreciate those who've been tapping in. Um, please spread the word. Please let everybody know. BU Podcast, all digital platforms. Your man, Mike Arrington. Another one in the can. Be easy. Love y'all. You are listening to the BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. 